Hey, Pioneers, welcome to episode number 400. Today's episode is one that I am really excited about that actually ended up talking about some elements that I wasn't expecting, but I think are really needed. So we are sharing about today, and that is doing working bees. And no, I am not talking about a type of like mason bee or a bee as in actual beehives, but working bees where we come together to share the workload and also share the bounty, but doing it communally. And this is something that historically is how many many villages, towns, groups of people did things. When we look at an Amish barn raising, when you look at quilting bees, uh, lots and lots of instances. But I think in today's at least Western society, this is something that I haven't really seen witnessed very much in my personal um, upbringing. Like sometimes my aunt would come over and my mom and my aunt would cook dinner together, but that was really very rare. And it certainly wasn't a larger group of women who were really coming together and help one another, that type of a thing. And I think even more so in the society now, especially within our homesteading community, where there's so many of us who are wanting to learn things that aren't as common taught anymore. And we have a really amazing opportunity where we can come together in small groups to truly support one another in a lot of different ways. So today's episode is one where Andrea is coming on and Andrea is the host of the Ancestral Podcast, but I actually know Andrea, uh, excuse me, the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast. I know Andrea personally. She lives in my area and we came together and came to know one another actually because of clover and raw milk. So as we get into that episode, we'll be diving into that and I will share part of that story with you. And Andrea and I were meeting just last week and she was actually doing a canning working bee and she drove into town to meet me really quick. I was getting some raw milk from her and she was telling me what she was doing. And I'm like, this needs to be done more often. Like, how awesome is this? Why don't you come on the podcast? Like, let's make this a podcast episode. So I'm really excited for this episode, especially as we move into at the time of this recording and release really the the glut of the harvest and preserving season for most people is beginning or you're really entering that full-on harvest stage where the tomatoes are really starting to come on ripe and, and to come on strong and the green beans like all of the summer harvest and then even moving into fall of course there's more preserving but i feel for a lot of the um our, our northern uh, hemisphere really it's august and september and part of october that are massive preserving months, or at least when I have the most of my amount of produce that's coming on. So very apropos that we're talking about this now, and there's still time to actually do this in this season. So one of the things that we talked about is doing a canning bee, and you'll you'll hear that along with other different ways that this can be done. I'm super excited you're here at the the end. You're going to want to stay for that one, where Andrea was telling about um, more of a a one-on-one swap with just two people that she is going to be doing with a friend. And I'm like, oh, 
that is when I want to jump in on too. So you'll have to listen to that. But the canning bee is one of the instances that we we're talking about and giving examples and walking you through today in different ways that you can do that. And that brings me to the sponsor of today's podcast show is Azure Standard. And Azure Standard just released their own canning jars. So they have both quart size as well as pint size canning jars. I just got this from them. They're a brand new product that they have. Super excited. I canned my first batch of pickles in them actually. And so I've done pickles and broth in them. And you will actually get to see that if you're watching this on YouTube via the podcast, the pickling video, which is my favorite crunchy Yes, canned crunchy pickles can be a thing. Garlic dill pickle recipe. So check that out. We just released that. If you missed that YouTube video and recipe, you're gonna definitely wanna grab that. But you're also gonna wanna look at having an additional source for canning jars. I know I always like to see what multiple sources I get I don't ever like to see where we have kind of like that monopoly. There's only one source of something because if something happens to that source, well, you know, you know where that that can lead, right? So it was very excited to see that Azure is also carrying their own brand of canning jars now and very happy with them. I've got to use them twice now and they worked beautifully. So if you are a brand new customer to Azure, I have a coupon code for you that will get you 10% off your first order of $50 or more for brand new customers. And that coupon code is Melissa10. And they come in cases with both bands and lids, or if you just want the jars, if you've already got a whole bunch of lids and a whole bunch of bands and you don't need that. So they've got a couple different options there for you, as well as quart and pint-sized jars. So check that out at azurestandard.com. And now on to today's episode. Andrea, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you, Melissa. It's very weird to be here. <laughs> I, I've been really looking forward to this because it's not very often. In fact, I don't know, thinking back actually, if I have ever had anybody on the podcast Aside from Seth on, which was one of my very first episodes when it was the radio show on beekeeping, actually way back when, Oh yeah, and this is episode yes. 400. So we're talking like probably 300 and some episodes back. Yeah. That was, that is local, local to me. So this feels really funny nice. when I get it. We met in, in real life. It feels so funny to say, but we met in real <laughs> life and hang out in real life, but here I get to have you in my yeah. digital life. So this is really fun. Yeah. yeah. It is really fun. It is. And it's really funny because some of Andrea and mine's best conversations happen in parking lots because a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of them, actually, we, it's really funny. It almost like if we see each other and we're not at the tailgates, like swapping stuff out of coolers, it's like, what is wrong with our lives? What? So Andrea and I first <laughs> met all because of a milk cow back when I had Clover mm -hmm. and her cow was dry and Clover was in milk. So we just did a swap because by the time her cow had her calf and came back into milk, I was drying yep. Clover up or would be dry, drying her up at that point because yeah. she was pregnant. So we're like, well, let's just swap milk because this works perfectly with the way our cow's gestation and lactation periods are. And so that's how we first met. And then we just kind of continued that like... <laughs> But we always meet in parking lots um, instead of like, because we both live far away. And so we're like, coordinate our time. Yeah. We do have to go into town. And so it's really funny because we're a lot of times at the Costco parking lot, but instead we mm -hmm. have our coolers and we're swapping jars of milk. 
in the in the parking yeah. lot with our with our ice chest. So it's amazing. And that was actually how we decided to come up with this episode because mm-hmm. we met and you had a friend over and you guys were doing a basically a working bee party. Yep. And you're like, yeah. we really need to talk about bringing this back into the community because yeah. I feel like this was something that was done a lot more in times past, decades past mm-hmm. than it is now and how nice it is. And so we're like, let's let's make this a conversation because I think a lot of people would benefit from mm-hmm. this. And I think it's something like for me, and maybe it was just from doing a lot of historical reading or not, but quilting bees. Like, I feel like I'm very familiar yeah. with quilting bees, even though I've never been to one. And when I was a little <laughs> girl, my grandma had the quilting frame that would hang from her living room ceiling oh, and she would wow. have friends over. And so when I was little, I would see it in action, but I was so young that I wasn't a participant in it. Yeah. So I love though, that we take that beyond quilting bees, but I'm all about bringing quilting bees back too. So if anybody is like up on that game. Yeah. So for context, working bees, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, especially in homestead listeners, like queen bee, working bee, there's a drone. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, uh, yeah. So not talking about actual bees and like honey and pollination in this episode, but there's a lot that we're drawing from that, which I think is why it's called, you know, working bees where everybody is coming, coming together for the ultimate good of the group. So Mm -hmm. take away on a working bee and how they have been beneficial for you. Yeah. Okay. Working bees. This is, we we've done canning bees. Um, I'm pretty sure I could say I've been to some birthing bees. (laughs) Um, all sorts of bees for whatever you want to accomplish a project for. And I would say that it started, you know, that's funny that you said that about your grandma, because there's this kind of famous quote from, I don't remember her name, Dorothy something, where she recalled being under the quilt frame when she was young, like you were in the story you just told. And she, she says how she would see the needles coming down and the hands pushing up and all the women working around the frame. And I thought that was a cool image. And I was, when I was reading about quilting bees, actually someone who was saying that uh, sometimes they could be a little hierarchical because there's better quilters and maybe you really only wanted the good quilters working on your quilt. <laughs> So it can get a little clicky. <laughs> so it's funny. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> but um, they said if it's just functional quilts, everybody could help. But um, when I was young, um, maybe like, I don't know, 12 or something, then we got together with my mom's friend who has 12 kids. And my mom has eight. So there was, we all had a match, you know, of our age. And we were just canning together. And you can do a lot of canning in a short amount of time with that many hands. And then in high school, I started canning by myself just because I wanted to learn and put things in the garden up in jars. And I just canned out of my grandma's farm journal book. So I did it. Don't tell Melissa K. Norris, but I did whatever you're supposed to do in 1960, (laughs) which is not really the way that they recommend doing it now. Some of it is still the same, to be fair. Yeah, I, wasn't doing I wasn't doing yeah. meat. So it was basically the same, you know, but I was like flipping the jars upside down and stuff and not water bathing them or anything. But then when I got married, I was canning by myself in the house 
uh, apartment and my sister said, Hey, my friend loves canning. You guys should come over and can together. So we did. And ever since then, we've just had multiple huge working bees every summer um, and fall for a canning, you name it, whatever. So some of the, I mean, I was telling you this right before we started recording, look, we had a whole episode before we started recording, but I, I was thinking about, um, all the people who are closest in my life and a lot of people that I've known for a really long time. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, almost all of them I met through one of these working bees. It's just weird how many of them came from that. Um, and it's also a great way to connect with people because when we moved from Washington state where I grew up, so I was very well rooted. And then we moved to a bunch of different little places. Um, where even if we were living in a like a navy fort for like two months i got together i found people and we got together and like baked stuff or whatever but then when we moved to virginia i texted our milk drop group <laughs> so if you're in a milk drop or azure drop or something a lot of those people think similarly to you so you can reach out to those groups just reply all <laughs> whatever and i said does anybody want to get together and can with me and one woman messaged back and she said, well, I don't know about canning, but I'll have you over for lunch. And she's one of my bosom friends to this day, you know, and she connected me to so I mean, we literally talk every single day and that was 12 years ago. And so I don't know, really cool connections can be made through it, but a working bee is just where you get together with a couple women. I'll say, because I know this world of women and all of you probably make some food and all of you probably have kids to some degree and you peel a thousand pounds of peaches or whatever and can it all. And then everybody takes home their split. So I think I, I remember my dad saying one time, so we had done like, I think we were canning peaches and plums for like four days straight. And for anyone who has done that, that's the equivalent of 10 ultra marathons. And we, my dad was saying, Oh, like, why are, what is the draw? Like, why are you doing this? And I don't remember saying this, but he told me later that I said this and he's like, I never forgot that. But I said, well, I'm getting together with 10 women who are all at different stages. I'm a newlywed with no kids. Some of these women had kids who were married and had kids. Some of them had kids who were six or seven. Some had kids in college and we're all sitting around the table, you know, rotating through your station sometimes, but talking about marriage and kids and, and your faith and how you do the dishes and how you keep up with homeschool or whatever. And I felt like it was four days of just being led and taught by wise women. And my dad said, I never really thought about it being like that, but I guess that's true. And I think often of the Bible passage in Titus two, where he says, you know, have the older women teach the younger women. And I feel like a really, uh, natural strata of a group is to have people of all different ages. What I feel like I see happen a lot is there's like two categories of people getting together, women getting together that I see that is difficult. One is 
all the moms you know are the exact same age and in the exact same life stage. So everybody has a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, and everybody's stressed out and everybody's a little bit overtaxed and everybody's to the, to the, to the limit, right? Or people only want to get together, no kids and get away from the kids for the day. And let's go like get margaritas and tacos or something. And both of those have their value, but both of them are not necessarily what I see sustainable for long-term societal gain. So I see it as a very positive if you have lots of layered ages, like there's grandma here. Well, she's showing up. She doesn't have kids on her hips. So now there's an extra set of hands. When you have to sit down to nurse baby, somebody's still chopping peaches. Or um, how many, especially today when like if you live in Washington state, how many people are going to be able to just spend a bunch of money and go hang out for six hours? You know, maybe their husband works full time and they're like, well, I don't see him that much. I don't want to be gone in that one chunk of time or whatever. Um, and a lot of my friends homeschool. So we have our kids with us all day. So it's not like we can go for lunch or something. But if I'm getting together with you, Melissa, and we're putting like 12 pans of lasagna in the freezer, there's a lot of talking that can happen in the span of time it takes to put 12 lasagnas in the freezer. And we're both going to walk away with six meals for our family. And we're not going to feel like we, you know, wasted a day. And you'll tell me something deep and moving and I'll tell you, and we'll probably end up crying and like, it's going to happen, you know, <laughs> but I feel like it's such a natural order of things and bringing those mixed layers of people in different stages and, um, producing something together is such a sustainable way to spend time together. Rant okay, over. it's really <laughs> no. I really am actually excited that we've kind of went this route, and there is some very logistical things that I want to dive into because I've yeah. never been to um, the type of worker bees in in the way that you're describing them. Yeah. But as you were talking, there is so much value, as you said, with people in different stages coming yeah. together. And I'm actually in a Bible study right now. And it's kind of the same thing. Like we have the gamut of women. It's, it's women only at the moment. Um, but we have a, a gamut of, you know, um, there's like some mother and daughters, they're like adult, mm -hmm. you know, adult daughter mm -hmm. with her mom. And then some, some of the ladies yeah. have small children and, and some of the ladies don't have any kids and so, you know, all of this. And so what's fascinating within that context, and that's just a Bible study is you get all of these different viewpoints from yeah. people who are at different stages of life. But when you bring that into homesteading in the home, I'm with you, it's very key. And I think the older I get, the more I see that because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm entering into those stages with my kids, like my son just graduated. And I can very clearly see, even though my daughter's just going into high school, you know, in four or five years from now, I'm not gonna most likely have any kids left at home. And even mm -hmm. though I still do, I'm like, kind of trying to prepare myself because I know that's going to be a big transition for me emotionally, yeah. not just in the totally. physical space. And so mm -hmm. I've really been wanting to, to talk to a lot of people who have went through that, not only so that I can prepare my heart as much as you can, but sure. also making sure like, oh gosh, have I actually prepared my kids well enough to step out on their own and that that transition for them will be easy or are mm -hmm. there things that i see right now that maybe 
I haven't prepared them well enough, but I have time still to prepare them. But like, where are the holes for me as a parent to make sure that I'm putting them out into this stage of adulthood? Because when they were little, it, it was a different set of needs that I was focused on with them versus to where they're at right. now. And so having people who have went down that path before you, I think is so, so key and so important. Yeah. Um, and then too, like I'll have the moms whose kids are younger, like they'll say things that will remind me to treasure the spot where I am right now. So mm -hmm. there's benefit both, both of those stages. Totally. Um, and I also, when you were talking, <laughs> I'm like, we are so busy as homestead moms, regardless if you are working yeah. outside the home, working in the home, homeschooling, not homeschooling, like you are so busy as a homesteader with all the additional things that we are trying to accomplish and do ourselves that I honestly don't have a lot of outside time to mm -hmm. invest into friendships. And it's actually an area yeah. where I have been knowing that I am thin on right now, like thin on friendships where we're spending the time together. It's not just a phone yeah. call or a text, which those are all great, but it's different than that one-on-one -on -one time or even group time with people mm -hmm. that you're in mm -hmm. that physical presence. And so I, when you were saying, I'm like, yeah, I just like, if I have a friend calls me and like, Hey, let's go do a day trip. I'm like, I can't, like, I, I legit cannot fit in a day trip right now. But if you call me up and be like, Hey, we're going to can this and this and this, I'm like, Oh yes. Like that. Damn. Cause I need to yeah. do that anyways totally exactly and marry the two together so i'm actually excited for that part because it's just like the fellowship and friendship part mm -hmm. but i'm very curious logistically wise because my brain can't help but go there um like if one like say i'm growing and i have way more apples than i than i need <laughs> then that would be fine because i could just i would have the produce that is right. not an expense to me i guess is what i'm saying to do like a big mm -hmm. canning party and then because of their help and labor then i would be like yeah you you take this portion of them yeah. and i wouldn't charge for the apples but if it's something where you're like um like you said like maybe the lasagnas for example because it could be like mm -hmm. cooking meal party it doesn't have to just be preserving though at the time of this release i know a lot of us are thinking about preserving or even with yeah. peaches like i have to buy my peaches because on the west side Same. of the north cascade mountains, they, mm -hmm. they don't grow very well. <laughs> so do you um like how is it just always an even split if there's any cost or do some people just be like well hey i'll bring all the sugar and the canning jars you provide the peaches that kind of walk me through like how yeah. you have found that to work the best okay yeah i love the logistics side of it and to what you said about being feeling thin on the relationships um there's a i think one of the reasons why some of my closest friends have come from these is because there's a depth of friendship you get to that you only hit at the eighth hour you know of slaving away shall we just say side by side with a friend, you know, there's like you, you hit a depth of conversation that you're not going to get into in lunch, you know, dressed in your nice clothes. Like when you're dirty and you're tired and you've passed your second wind many hours ago and you're being tested and <laughs> refined, <laughs> then there, there's a kind of conversation that comes up. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite memories is when um 
a friend who I had literally only met one time, but she's the second oldest of 12. She was also homeschooled. She's a couple years younger than me. And I knew that she knew how to can. And I was in Virginia and I was desperate. And I called her aunt. It was the same person I met at the milk drop. And I said, I just got like out of the blue, a bunch of crates of pickling cucumbers. And you know, pickling cucumbers, they have to go in like you can't wait. As fast as possible. So, Less yeah, like soggy had, pickles. Yeah. Which we don't. No. And I had Never. a newborn. So I was like, is she willing to come over and like can all night with me? And she was like, heck yeah, I'm on my way. And I remember distinctively this moment where when we were kind of making like homeschool jokes at each other because we were both, you know, how it is. And I remember I said something and I had my, she, we had our backs to each other working at separate counters. And then I heard this, like, I heard silence and I heard a thump and I turned around and she had like fallen on the floor laughing, but silently like, and then I slid down the counter and I was like, I couldn't breathe. And we're like sobbing, like peeing our pants. We we're laughing so hard. Like those memories really stick with you. I think it was like three in the morning and I don't, we were beyond the point of no return, but like, when would we have had that kind of a connection sitting at a table, really politely slicing up our tacos or something like just, just wouldn't have happened. So logistics can vary depending on who's in the group. So like you said, sometimes you have an abundance of something and just having somebody's help is worth it to you to get everything up and you can send them home with it. Other times, a lot of the times, since as you know, we're on the, like the soggy side of the state. So like stone fruits and stuff that they don't do super great over here. Um, then we're buying in produce from a farm on the east side of the mountains. So in that case, what we'll do is we'll li typically say, okay, how many pounds do you want? And you can either put together a big order. One person can front the cash and then everybody can show up and pay per pound. Or we've also done where somebody's collecting the cash and then they hand the cash to the farmer and one person drives it over. Everybody throws in a little extra for gas. Um, so I would say get out an Excel spreadsheet um, and keep track of it that way if there's multiple of you. My mom often comes in cans with us and she doesn't, I only have one sibling left at home and so they don't need the same volume, but my mom will come and stay like the whole time and can with us anyways, even though she's only taking home a couple jars worth. Um, so I think when you set up when you start doing this, everybody needs to go into it knowing that it is hard physical labor and preferably be willing to stay in it for the long haul. Cause if you're like, well, I'm only doing 10 quarts and then I'm out like, like, no, you're staying for the whole thing. <laughs> like it's better to just stick together for as much as you possibly can. Obviously there's, you know, at some point, some people are going to have to leave and go home or whatever. But usually what we do is one person's the we'll say the host, which right now that has been me for a while. It wasn't before, um, because I was always in tiny apartments. Um, so we'd go to somebody else's house, but it is amazing how much you can still do in a tiny house. And when you remember that most apartments a day are bigger than the houses anybody had before, it's like, eh, get over it. <laughs> but, um, we have like a big porch. And so we put up folding tables outside and busing tubs, you can never have too many busing tubs and um, propane stoves outside. It's really nice if you could just keep everything, all the work outside because it's juicy and, and it's gross and you can get out hoses and 
make it all go away. <laughs> so we like to do it outside if we can, um, no pun intended. And for food, gotta have food because, um, and it's no fun if you have no food. I usually do casseroles because it's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, we have this one breakfast casserole that I've just always unofficially called the canning day casserole because I always make it when we're canning and it's because I can make it the day before. And then I put it in a cold oven and turn the oven on and then an hour into it, it's done. Um, I put that recipe and a couple of the other ones we use the most in a PDF and I'll email that to you so you can put it in the yeah, whatever. So blog post. we'll have it in, in the blog post. Yes. Yeah, so for those of you who are, are listening or watching this on YouTube, uh, the blog post that accompanies every episode for this episode will be, uh, because it's episode 400, it'll be melissaknorris.com forward slash 400, just the number 400, 400. And so we'll have a link to that because Andrea had pulled together, which is super nice of you. I'm excited for this. Um, the recipes that have will feed a crowd like she said are easy to prep the day ahead of time because on like a canning working party mm -hmm. you don't want to be having to take time away to prep no. for all the meals or the food because you want to feed people because that takes yeah. a big chunk out of actually getting the work done so it's totally yeah you can prepare and like obviously in the this context we're saying you know do it for like a working party but really if you have a busy day at home yeah it's maybe just mm -hmm. you Butchering. i often do that too yeah Always. i'll prep the day ahead of time so that we've got the food. So I'm not having to do it on yeah. that busy day. So it'll serve you in multiple ways, but we'll have the links so that you can download that, get those recipes. It's just a free PDF um, and yeah. a blog post that goes along with this episode. So yeah, I think my other question is like, obviously if you're purchasing the supplies, um, mm -hmm. everybody can go in on that. But for the canning jars, does do people bring their own jars? Usually, yeah. Then taking home, okay. Because yeah. I'm like, if you're supplying all the canning jars, like that's going to be an expense. You're going to have to add. Totally, it. yeah, um, yeah. Usually, we everybody just brings their own jars. Um, it so a lot of my jars are older, so I try not to mix them with other people's new ones because I don't want you to buy a new jar and then you end up taking one of my old ones home and it's like already partially through its life, you know. So. Um, Tiffany and I, we were doing the peaches whenever I met you that one day. Um, yeah. and she cans everything like she's amazing. And she, what we do since it's, she was, since it was just the two of us and I can't talk, then first we did her crates of peaches and her jars, then kind of like had lunch. And then we started my crates of peaches and my jars. So they were completely separated, but, um, knowing how much goes into a jar is helpful because if you say, um, like you can Google how many pounds of peaches go into a jar, but I would still weigh your own jars in the moment when you're doing it, not before you've put in any liquid or anything, because the loss can be different depending on what kind of peaches you had. Um, but knowing about how much each one is getting so that there's like if you and I bought a hundred pounds of peaches together and we both paid for it equal, then we got together and we would know we'd each take 50% home. But if my mom said, I want 20 pounds and I said, I want 75 pounds. And you were like, I need 300 pounds because I'm a baller, no pun intended again, then you would, we would need to know what is that 
ratio going out into quarts or mm-hmm. pints, whichever one you're doing. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So you kind of want to, you can check with that, have a scale handy and weigh your first jar going in, or maybe what we've done before is like we weigh one box and we say, Oh, one box made five jars. So now we know how many of that is. Um, and it would be different from different suppliers because they all kind of package things differently. Okay. That's good. I hadn't actually thought yeah. on the, the pound. I was just thinking in like total jars and doing yeah. that way, but then you'd know for the pounds. So when you guys are doing it, you are just going like all the way through until it's all done. So like you, cause you've been mentioning like 3 a.m. Like you literally are just staying up and doing <laughs> okay. it. Or yeah. sometimes you're like, Hey, we're going to stop at like, you know, 10 o'clock tonight. And then right. everybody meet back here at nine in the morning. And we're just going to do, if you yeah. doing that large of amount, obviously you could choose to mm-hmm. do just a one day thing based upon, you know, the amount of produce and stuff. Um, so you kind of done it both yeah. ways. If everybody just wants to stay and just like totally knock it out in like this huge all nighter type marathon mm-hmm. or over mm-hmm. days. It kind yeah, it kind of depends. Um, when we were doing it, the, the times I've mostly done it all night was like that time was just me and Hannah. I mean, we like there, we didn't have anywhere to go afterwards, you know, um, she was staying the night at my house. So it wasn't like she had to go home and make dinner for her kids or something. She didn't have kids yet. So it, I would say it would depend. Um, there's a really good calculator for figuring out how long it's going to take you to do a project in the kitchen. And I have Mm -hmm. done it many times and it is accurate as all get out. And it doesn't sound like it's accurate, but it is. So, you know, the process for what you're going to do. We'll just keep using peaches as the idea here. So you can figure about how long it's going to take you to wash them. And then you figure about how long it's going to take you to peel them or whatever you're going to do, put them in the jars, line all the jars up. So estimate that as best as you can, write that number down and then triple it. That's how long it's going to take you. Don't ask me why, but it's always true. (laughs) Okay. I am the reason I am dying laughing is because I am so bad at saying, I'm going to get like these 10 things done in right. an hour. And yeah. like, if I Y'all get are. two done, I'm doing good. But I always am like yeah. very much missing that calculation on what I can accomplish for mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. in a period of time. So when you said then triple it, I was I'm like, oh yes, like, you, oh. you're speaking to me. That I see why. Me. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. we're all really good at overestimating what we can get done. And especially if you throw, oh no, the cows got out or uh, the baby is not napping like the baby usually does. or um, there's no propane in the stove who missed that one. You know, something can happen and that is accounted for. We don't say, Oh no, something happened. And now we don't like, no, you account for that. Build that in. I used to level project management. So so, like, this is what I did, but we need to have more conversations, but, (laughs) um, yeah. So, so you but assume the- things are going to go wrong and then they're not wrong. They're just, that's life and life always happens whether we like it or not. Okay. I love that though. I rarely account for it and I would probably be a lot happier in life if I just made the space sure. to account for we things going would. wrong. That's true. Amen. Um, one of the things though, that you said earlier that I kind of want to circle back onto is, and especially I think when you would have people come in when you're doing a multiple group because some people maybe they're wanting to learn but they don't know mm-hmm. all everything yet yeah um, and then you would yeah. have experienced people and you said stations yep. so i kind of want to come back to that yeah. because i'm assuming instead of having because you really can't have everybody chop all of the peaches if you're doing 
a multiple no. run thing because then they're going to no. brown. Like it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. So how do you do the stations? Like for one run, like one canner full, for example, I use, I say that as a yeah. run, but if you're not used to canning, you might be like, what are you talking about? One run. What do you mean? Um, I told you yeah, it's 10 marathon. Yeah. A, a canner full, a full load and pulling it out. Yeah. I call that a run from like start to finish. Like you've prepped it like it's in the canner, it's processed and it's pulled out. I call that a run. So do you have people switch after like at a run or just a certain amount of time? Like someone is chopping peaches and then the next person is getting the jars prepped and filled. The other person's making the syrup. Yeah. Kind of walk me through and depending on obviously how many people you've got, of course, but of course, kind of walk course. me through the actual like logistics of, of that, how you, how you yeah. do that throughout the whole time. For sure. So remember if you have youths in your household, this is how Mac. So, um, it could also be science depending on how nerdy you want to get. And if you have Melissa K Norris's book, everything worth preserving, then it is very sciencey <laughs> in a non-scary way. And this is science at its best, its most practical application, which is survival. So the way we do the stations, it does kind of vary. So Tiffany or Hannah, two people I've alluded to so far, they can can in their sleep. They don't care if they learn how to fingertip tighten a jar, like they know what they're doing. So in that case, any one of us can go anywhere and nobody needs to explain anything. We're just like, oh, 15 minutes for the quartz and 10 minutes for the pints, says the table in Melissa Kinoris's book. So then we all know what we're doing. And that, that's like all the information you need at a certain point. Sometimes you have people who have never canned and they want to learn every step of the way. And then sometimes you also have people who they have never canned or they're not really canners or they canned a long time ago and they don't really want to learn everything and they're perfectly happy to peel garlic for five hours. I okay. don't care. Like if you just want to peel the garlic, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> you don't have to move stations. But if you're like, I really want to learn how to slice the dill spears and I really want to learn how you put the spices in the jars and I want to do the whole putting them in, you know, then it makes sense to move. So thinking Henry Ford and thinking lean manufacturing, the longer you're on one station, the better and faster you get at it. True. So in some instances, you may just want to be like, we're just going to go as fast as we can. Everybody just stay at what you're good at. You know, other times, you know, you want to move inside to the chopping table and somebody else wants to move outside to the caning table and switch around. So when I set up for a caning day, even if it's just for myself, I think through my process flow and then, you know, try to eliminate any waste. So shortest distance, um, least material, everything that you need right in your space and a space for everything to go, um, and front load everything you can. So fill the propane tank ahead, have an extra propane tank on hand. I can't imagine why I'm telling you this, but it's possible. I've lived through it and make the food the day before have paper plates, <laughs> like do it, <laughs> get paper plates. Um, if you have a wood stove, like we do, they're going to be your kindling later. So front load, whatever you can. And then ideally the day of you're just doing the work. I just described the perfect world scenario. And we all know that that doesn't usually happen. So sometimes what happens is you're all texting each other. You're like, I'm running late. Oh, this happened, you know, or like I texted you today, the propane guy just showed up today. <laughs> like, okay. So sometimes things happen and you do have to flow with it, but as much as you can do ahead, do ahead. So 
sticking to the peaches. I like, I learned this from my friend, Carmen. She's, um, I don't know how to say this, except like she's a professional household manager. And I learned so much canning in her house and so many things I learned from her that I do to this day because I just love the way she systematizes things and her flows. But um, this is how we wash big bins of produce. You have a folding table, you have a hose. And the first bucket is, you know, thieves veggie soak. So put like a capful of thieves veggie soak. You can do like a couple of drops of thieves dish soap if you want, but you really just need the veggie soak. That's a big frothy tub. That's the first wash all the peaches go into. Then you have three bussing tubs. And for anyone who doesn't know what a bussing tub is, it's those like plastic tubs that waiters carry out to the table in a restaurant. They put all the dishes in when they bust the table. Um, they're like eight or nine bucks and you can get them at... Um, any restaurant supply store or chef store or whatever. Um, so you have three rinses. So they go from the soapy into the rinse number one, and then that water gets kind of soapy and dirty. Then they go to rinse number two, then they go to rinse number three. And by the time they get there, the water's clear. And then they go into an, a busing tub from there. You're probably 10 year old kid is the one that's going to shuffle that bucket over to the processing table where somebody's having the peaches um, taking out the pits and putting them in a bucket for making almond extract or whatever. Um, and then if you peel them, you know, then you're going to have the peeling, somebody's blanching them in the water and dropping them in ice water. And then somebody else could be skinning them. And then somebody else is stuffing them into quart jars. And then usually like one table with somebody's got syrup, ladle it into the jar, wipe the rim, put the lid on, read Melissa's book, put on the screw cap, and then put it in the canner. Right. So, and then I have another table or boxes or the floor, honestly, a lot of the time where you just take out the jars and line them up. Um, okay. I think the biggest load we ever processed was 2,500 pounds of apples. Oh, that was a lot. Okay. How many days did that one take? <laughs> that is a lot. Well, we kind of. But apples will stay for a while. They're not like cucumbers and yeah, peaches apples where are you've not... got that short processing window so and then stressful. they start to go to ick. Oh, yeah. Stressful. Yeah. That's what I love about apples. Yay, Washington State, because you can be like, I'll do them this or maybe next month. <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah. But um, we made a lot into cider. So it sounds like a lot of work, but then we kind of sped it up by more than half of them went into cider. And then we did tons of sauce. Um, I don't think it took over four days, honestly. Um, okay. We did a lot of sauce. We did, I, I definitely on that one, I remember canning all night because I was like, we were at the end and I was like, I'm just going to finish. I'm not going to leave this. Um, but but usually our loads, our canner loads are not that big. Um, oh, you asked about jars, supplies and things like that. So I think I said yeah. everybody brings their jars. If people can bring canning stoves and canners, it's that really helps. Say, how many do you have going at a yeah. time? You've got yeah, to do so, more than one or it's going to take for sure. You're going to get sure. out prepped before you can even finish in the canner. Like you're going to get a backup. I would think <laughs> yeah, of jars. Exactly. Prep. Yeah. Which does happen. And you got to watch out for that. Cause you know, you don't want them to sit there like hot with the lid on for a long time before right. they go in. So you've got to yeah. kind of like time get that. your times down. That's yeah. why I don't like, I don't like stopping to prepare a lunch because you really canning is rhythmical. And if you stop the rhythm, it's like this big ocean liner that you have to like fire the engines back up, get the gears grinding and start getting your momentum again. It takes a really long time. And so if you stop canning and then start again, it's going to add one to two hours to your process. 
it's better to just this, this is where i also unhealthily work myself into a hole and like don't eat because i'm like i don't want to stop because it's gonna add two hours you know so this is where having the food made ahead and i've eaten like this is what tiffany and I did last time um <laughs> I made the breakfast casserole so late. I texted her. I was like, I'm about to put it in the oven. And then right as soon as I texted her that, because I like had everything on the counter, then some catastrophe happened. And she showed up. She's like, is this a casserole you're about to put in the oven? I was like, it's happening. I promise you it's happening. So we had breakfast like that day. But as soon as I took the breakfast out, I turned off the oven and I stuck the lunch casserole in the oven and I closed the door. And then when I left to go meet you, I told her like 30 minutes before you want to eat, just have one of the kids turn the Start oven on heating like it. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be warm. So like that's hands off as you can get, basically it's, it's faster than ordering takeout. <laughs> yeah. Well, this but, is why I love this because it's so funny when you get into canning and even not doing it as like, you're doing it as a work party, but even myself, like I cannot tell you how many times I am canning well into the evening hours by the time like oh, yeah. it's actually done. Oh, it yeah. just tends to roll that way. Cause That's I'll true. be like, Oh, I, you know, I'll pick it during the day and then kind of prep it <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah. And then after dinner is when I actually get it started. So it's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night and I'm pulling, oh, finally amen. pulling out the jars out of the canner. Yeah. And then like by the next, you know, a couple of days of that in a row and you're like, okay, you're I've done. just canned, you know, 50 and you're still looking of, at five. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just got done doing 50 pints of green beans so that we have this good homegrown, perfect food, healthy food. Yeah. It is takeout dominoes for dinner tonight, baby. <laughs> Such an oxymoron. Yeah. But, yeah. but you've yeah. taken that element out by simply planning ahead. I mean, and it could even be like putting something in the instant yeah. pot or the slow cooker, but it, it's, it's mm -hmm. putting that into your plan of action so that it's not yeah. looked it's not like pushed by the wayside. Like it's already done in the prep part, which I really like because if I don't plan and prep mm -hmm. ahead, then yes, it's usually Papa Murphy's because I can buy those and freeze them mm -hmm. <laughs> at yeah. a time and, then, and oh, pull wait, them out. <laughs> now yeah, I never thought about this, but then you're it also talking really well. about a very expensive day when you start adding yes. it up. Um, yes. It becomes yeah. very costly. And sometimes that's, that's worth it. Sometimes that is worth it. You're like, this is going to be fun. Um, my husband's in town anyways. I'm going to have him bring home pizza. The kids are going to be so excited. It's going to like, I'm not going to say don't do that. But if you do that every weekend, it's going to be wearing on your digestive system and on your bank yes. account, you know? Yeah. And for us, we're, I know you're similar, but we're far enough out that it's, it's quite inconvenient to go and get food. It, yes. It, yeah. It's like, I'm 45 minutes one way to the Papa Murphy. Exactly. So if I'm already in town and plan it. And like I said, that's yes. how I know you can yeah. freeze them yeah. because I'm like, I know I'm going to want a pizza later and I'm not going to make it. And right. they, they do, they freeze and they bake up quite nicely. Um, which yeah, I don't I do. I don't do often, but I will. Yeah, but I now everybody admit. knows it's a yeah, hail Mary. Now, like you can yeah. have that in your back pocket and I, I'm not going to judge nobody for doing anything like that. Um, somebody asked me once, um, what is, how do you not just get takeout on those busy days? And I was like, well, for one, we're too far away. So that's a great plan oh, yes. move yeah. so far away that like you can't, um, the other is, I hate to say it, but yeah, it's just the foresight portion of the day. Um, yeah. so the. I've never tried freezing the breakfast casserole, but the other recipes that I put in the book, you could make them and freeze them if you wanted to. And that would be a good, 
And in fact, that is actually one of the things Tiffany and I did. So you said like the cost of lasagnas, for instance. Yeah. Um, so Tiffany has a farm, very abundant, productive farm. I have a farm and whenever we got together to make some casseroles, we just were like, what do you have a lot of? What do I have a lot of? What can we make out of that? So I think we made one of Kate's casseroles, um, the venison for dinner, Kate. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, yes, we yes, made the one with like the shredded podcast, potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think we did, what did we do? Maybe I think we did do a lasagna um, because I had a case of noodles from Azure. She had some noodles. She had a bunch of meat. I had a bunch of cheese. You know what I mean? Like we're like, oh, this looks like that's what so we're So you making. just kind of each brought like, yeah, what you had and mm -hmm. then supplemented what maybe mm -hmm. one or the other didn't it just split that cost yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're doing that with somebody that you feel, the, ugh, if you, you, if two people are both trying to bless the other person more, both of you are going to walk away like 10 times more abundant. If everybody's trying to see like, did they get their teaspoon and was the 10th of a penny covered? It's not fun anymore. <laughs> but when everybody's yeah. like, let's just like super abundantly bless each other. When everybody has that mentality, it works out when half the people do then resentment then starts to wonky. up. Yeah, well, which I can not. see like after you've done sure. it a time or two, you're going to know who is working in the group yeah. and who is not. Yeah, for sure. And this is another thing that is not addressed much where I see a lot of really inspirational Instagram posts of like people dancing in the woods and they're like, I'm just going to start a community with my best friends and we're going to live off the grid. It's like, okay, but have you ever had to get along with someone when you don't feel like getting along with them? Or do you have a lot of ex-boyfriends? <laughs> like, is there a, an element of spending time with people where sometimes it's somebody that you don't get along with, or, um, we have this idea, like, I just want my village around me. Okay. That includes the lady that really bugs you. She's part of your village. And that includes the person that sanctifies you the most, <laughs> which is probably yourself, but you know, it, it includes people that you like our, our culture today just says, Oh, they're, they don't make me happy. Bye out of my life, block, delete. But there's also, what about learning how to resolve conflict or um, shut your mouth and just don't say the very sarcastic, snarky thing that so wittily popped into your mind that nobody really needs to hear. There's that too. Like, you don't gotta say everything you think. Imagine how happy people would be. But learning how to have conversations with people and um, maybe a young person doesn't know about pulling their weight and you can help them. And this isn't a talking down to somebody. This is a older woman teaching the younger woman how to honor God and serve her family and not be a dead weight, you know? So there's that. A lot of people want to do the community living and have the village serve them, but then they don't realize that that means they have to turn up for the village when it's very inconvenient. One of the most amazing times in my life was when, um, it's not amazing because he was deployed, but my husband was deployed and, um, he and one of his um, squadron mates basically connected me and their his the other guy's wife so that we could kind of buddy up. Um, we each had one 
child. And then my neighbor across the street had one child. And um, we basically were like three wives for like a couple months. And we were just always in and out of each other's houses. And if anybody needed to do anything, somebody was there and would watch all three kids. And you like one of them was going to classes. I was working on a farm and I was teaching classes on the farm. And then the other one, she had a job cleaning houses. Um, so we were just, we never really planned it, but we're just like, Hey, could you watch the kids tomorrow at one? And I was like, yeah, of course I'll be here. And then one of us always made dinner. And, and we didn't really plan that either, but somebody always turned up dinner for everyone. And I remember thinking, this is so amazing because we all three of us would have been in our separate houses making dinner and it wouldn't really have taken any more time than one of us making dinner for the three of us. Now we weren't three families of 10. We were very small families. So it was, right. it was feasible. Um, but I remember thinking like all around America, women are standing in their houses alone saying, I'm so anxious. I'm so depressed. I'm so alone. I'm so isolated. They're making dinner alone. And then they're like, I'm so tired. And now I have to wash the dishes. And then I have to do it all again the next day. And everybody's doing that when right. if we could just overlap some of the work. But then the thing that I think the catch is, is like, I also did that when I didn't feel like it. And when it wasn't convenient and you have to be, and sometimes somebody shows up on your porch and you're like, oh, it's literally like, I just want a nap or I'm so tired or my house is a disaster or like I wasn't ready for this, but you have to be ready for it and accept it. And they're both from, one of them was Luya tribe from Kenya and the other one is Maasai from um, Tanzania and Kenyan border. And they're both like, oh, you always got to have a pot of tea on the stove. Like chai, as they call it. Like you always got to have chai on the stove. My mom would chap on me if I didn't have the chai in the stove, you know, like they would always say, like, you got to have it ready for guests because you don't know when somebody's going to show up and you want to show hospitality. And this whole village romanticized ideal, if you read the diaries of those pioneer women, there's a lot of bickering, like everybody didn't get along. Yeah, <laughs> but they lived True. in the same town, so they had to work together. And they had, yeah. you know, Rachel Lind, hello, you know, they had to cope and you have to be able to not just float with like everything's happy and, and we're all getting along. Sometimes you need to learn how to get along when you don't feel like it. And that is probably the best lesson that comes out of work parties. <laughs> and it's really funny because it very much actually mirrors homesteading because there yeah. are so yeah. many times when I do not feel like planting the garden. I don't feel like feeding the chickens. I don't feel like milking the cow. I don't want to feed the cows. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm sick. It's raining and 32 degrees and raining when it should and be it's snowing, Christmas. But it's, and it, yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's yeah. so many instances with homesteading where I don't want to do any of it Yeah. at times, but you don't give yourself a choice to not do it. I mean, I can decide to sell the milk get a cop out. Right. Sure. But in that moment, I have to deal with her unless, you know, I've decided to sell her down the road. And, and sometimes that happens. Like we've decided, okay, we're not going to do pigs this year, but if I have mm -hmm. the pigs, I have to do that type of thing. So mm -hmm. I think that that really does coincide with homesteading. It, and I've actually gotten totally. asked this question a lot. I've, I've done a podcast mm -hmm. episode on it before. And that is like, how do you stay motivated? And mm -hmm. You're not, it's not motivation, it's mm -mm. commitment. No, 
because there's a lot of times you are not going to feel motivated, but you have to do it anyways. And so that also is like, you're saying it's with relationships. Um, it's, it's with being that, which brings me actually to the next part that I want to make sure that we cover, um, here as we're getting ready to wrap it up. But that is, if you don't have people or like you said, you've mm -hmm. moved a lot, whereas I've kind of mm -hmm. always lived, not kind of, I've always lived on the same road. So I I've had neighbors right. rotate in and out, but I've always had people that I know in the area, but how do you go about finding people who are wanting to do this, who are wanting to be part of this homestead community, that are wanting yeah. to be part of these working bees, who are wanting to have this type of relationship and support one another? Like, where do you even find those to become a part of them or to invite people into one you might be deciding to host? Like, mm -hmm. where do you where do you find them? Well, first of all, they are everywhere. You just have to develop them. So a good leader doesn't just wait for a country to follow him, right? He develops his team and you, there's no need to say, I don't know anybody who there's nobody in my life who, okay, well, then it sounds like you need to start making some new friends <laughs> and you need to get out of your bubble and you need to start asking for things. So I am usually I think only one time have I been on the receiving end of the invitation. I'm usually the one extending the invitation. So I initiate and I'm say, I'll say like I emailed the milk drop and I said, does anybody want to get together? And, um, I met people through our Azure drop. You could ask your Azure host, Hey, can I message or can you ask the group if it's okay, if I message or if they want to, could they reach out to me? Um, of course, church, you can start asking people like if you say, oh, I don't have uh, older women in my life, maybe your mom's not around or she's passed on or something. And you say, well, I don't have that. Well, ask, ask a woman you respect. Could you please be my mentor and speak some wisdom into my life? I'll come over and help you clean your house and you can teach me while we clean, like, I don't know, find these, I, I, like, I, I see, I see the world is so abundant and there's just, these people are all around you just waiting to be invited into community. And you just have to ask, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I, I know I met a lot of people at your conference, um, who, cause this regional, right. I mean, there was, I did, I told you I met somebody from Minnesota there, like people were there from like kind of far away. Um, Canadians too. I met a lot of Canadians. Um, but there was a lot of people from Washington. One of them goes to church with my aunt, like over here. We're like, wait, and we're meeting here. Like, this is so weird. <laughs> she's like, wait, I know your aunt. I was like, yeah, that's just crazy. But, um, now she's going to come out and see the chickens and whatnot. And that only happens by building the relationship, which does take time and does take effort and is worth doing. And we're not in the same like, you know, life stage bracket. Like her kids are probably married and um, out of the house and everything. And my kids are still relatively young, like 11 and down, you know? So also invite and embrace all the different stages because you need that. If you only ever hang out with your peer group, you're going to kind of stay at that level. And I want to be exposed to like many layers of um, 
thought, like you said, like, Hey, is there a mom that can tell me, you know, one thing that I didn't do with the oldest, but I did learn to do with the other five was this. It's like, yes, please tell me that. Like, tell me that now. <laughs> um, one thing I learned from another wife was like, sometimes you just need to zip your lip and you don't need to say all the things that you think about, you know, it's like, Oh, ho, <laughs> fancy that, you know, these are things that you learn by spending time with somebody and having them, um, teach you and also being humble. So, reach out to people, find people, post it. If you have social media on your social media, um, if you live by me, come can with me. Like I'm, I'm over here in Washington state canning away. Like I'm open to it. So that is, um, yeah, I, I would say you, you be the initiator. Don't wait to be invited, but yeah. start. I, start I to, yeah. I have to agree with that. I think when I look at all of the things very rarely has it been where I have been invited, mm -hmm. it's been, mm -hmm. it's been, the, it's been creating it and inviting those people. And then those people have went out and done stuff where then they have invited sure. me to it, but it, it took that yeah. first part. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important because I, I know a lot of us, myself included in that, like was like, man, I wish this was in my area exactly with conference. Actually, I had kept mm -hmm. waiting Katie and I both kept yeah. waiting oh, for yeah. someone you to do that. one out here. Yep. And it just never happened. And we're like, okay, well, yeah. we're, we're going to, we're going to do it then. Um, and I'm really excited mm -hmm. because at conference this coming year in 2024, we are going to have a special time where you can opt in, like, don't worry, we're not going to you know, send your information anywhere, <laughs> but you can decide. <laughs> I, I feel like I just yeah. have to say that. Um, but you can decide That's like, true. Hey, I want to meet, like, if you're from Washington state, if you're from yeah. Idaho, wherever it may be, because people are coming from all over. And as you said, even Canada, um, a way for you to at conference to meet the people in your geographical location yes. and for you to form yes. your own connections. And so that was one of the, the biggest uh, forms of feedback we had is like, conference was so amazing. Like I found my people for two days. I don't yeah. want to wait until next year. Like, how do I, how do I find the people that I know have to be here that are in my area? I can't be the only one. And like, yeah. how do I connect with them? And like I said, we can't actually, you know, take people's addresses and connect them that way, but we can open yeah. up at conference yeah. a time for that. And so people can, can go to, yes. to there and, and find her. So super excited for that. Um, that will be Saturday of, of conference. That, that would we will be, be amazing. doing that. So yeah, so it you don't did have feel like that yeah. when I was there, I like texted Gary and I said, Gary, this is so crazy, but I'm not the odd one out. This is so weird. Like half it, the it, people here have 12 kids in their family and they're like, have like a chicken under one arm. Like they, they have to go home and milk the cow. Like these people don't think we're crazy. I was like, this is insane. I can literally talk to anybody here about anything and they're just fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, it, awesome. it, it's so like <laughs> until you've experienced this, I don't know how to put it into words, to be honest. And I'm not just saying this because it's my conference, but legit, like you, I feel so filled when I'm at those events. Yes. Like I come home uh, and I'm like, 100%. my cup runneth over and we need that filling. And I don't even, <laughs> a lot of the times I don't realize how low that portion of me is until I'm at mm -hmm. the event. And, and then I realized like, oh, I needed this even more than I thought I did. But until you yeah. experience it for the first time, I don't know a way to articulate it correctly. Mm -hmm. it, it feels kind of like coming home. I, I would, yeah, I literally just, I think I described that to Gary, like it just felt like that, like I was at home with everybody and 
um it was also weird because there's a like i saw robin and i've never met her in person before so i'm actually talking to her yes. for our podcast she next is making week. from scratch yes. and robin will be yeah. back at 2024 i'm yeah robin's I'm so coming back about that. um yeah yeah that, so i saw people i was like wait a minute i know you like i wouldn't I wouldn't know a movie star if they walked by me on the street. Like I literally wouldn't, but Josh and Carolyn go by and I'm like, did I see Carolyn's ponytail? Cause I recognize that ponytail. <laughs> you know I know I mean? that like, blonde hair. These are the people, yeah. <laughs> these are the people that have something that I want to hear what they say. Uh, so yeah, it was really oh. wonderful. So I'm stoked that you're going to have a connection sort of aspect to that because yeah, th there's so many, there's, everybody's like, Oh, make a Facebook group. Okay. There's so many Facebook groups and things like that. And there's a couple of problems with that. One is we're a herd animal and cows don't get fulfilled by seeing pictures of cows. Like cows have to be with cows and like lick the other cow and stand in the field and chew cud with the cow. You know what I mean? It, they have to be there. And we're, I'm not saying we're like lick each other's hair, but we need to see people in person. There, there's something about that. And the other aspect is, is that Facebook groups can be too um, reducible. So it's a group of people who are only interested in water bathing, freestone, organic Alberta peeled peaches. Like, that's eh, a little bit too specific. And when you, if you have um, all the homesteaders who live close in Washington get together, you're going to naturally have different layers of people and different personalities and different interests. Maybe the only common thing is that they all want to butcher chickens together. That might be the only thing. One of them lives in a high rise and a lawyer is a lawyer. And one of them has 12 kids and lives on a farm off grid. Like, I don't know, but, but it is cool because then you get, people together with those weird different personality quirks and you get to learn how to get along with people, <laughs> which is a good thing. We need that. Like we if you do. look at the people online, they literally can't have a conversation about anything. And if they disagree about something that is literally the end of it, like there's yeah. no disagreeing instead of being like, Oh, how fun. We have different thoughts. Wow. Never imagined and, that happening. And can still, <laughs> can still be amicable yeah. and still coincide. Yeah. I, no, I, it's a, uh, how dare you? That is one of the downsides I feel like of the digital online aspect to our current society. Um, sure. is it, yep. it is very much that has grown. I feel like, because mm -hmm. like you said, I can ban yeah. you. I can delete you. I can block you. We just um, get I more and more inbred, you know, yeah. our yeah. ideas and our ways of thinking become yeah. it, it's the echo chamber. If you only surround yourself mm -hmm. with those who think, and there, and there is iron sharpens iron. I'm not saying, um, of course there's a balance there. Yeah. Yeah. So there should be, well, this has been super fun. Um, I am actually very excited to look at doing some working bee stuff. Yes. And, Let's do it. Yeah. Well, we can do one together too for, I don't know what something you can do them in the winter too. If you're like, I don't know, I'm just going to can a couple jars of things at night, not do any big runs. Get together in October and can beans. It's in Melissa's book. <laughs> but get together and can something that is off season. Yeah. Like, well, I, I actually always say, like, love, I, I do do off season, but I actually, it's really funny. 
I love the idea of doing the meals because yes, no matter me what too. time of year, uh, we all need to eat dinner. Yeah. And that is one thing I have to, oh, I actually enjoy cooking when I have the space for it, but of when course. I'm pressed and it's like every day, like we have to eat every day, man, again, what an inconvenience. Again, so weird. So I love that idea of actually of doing like a, like a casserole or mm -hmm. some of the main yeah. dish portion and just yeah batching that all out yeah and then you've got like Pick all two casseroles yeah. that both your families like this also helps if you both are similar in your policies on food like if one of you says oh yeah i'll just get like powdered potatoes at walmart that's fine if that's what you want but i would my family wouldn't eat it so i would have to like I'd be like well like we're this is the kind of food we're doing you know so yeah. pick two casseroles get <laughs> metal pans at whatever the either get pans at um the restaurant supply store or collect the nine by 13s at the thrift store and there you go. What, whichever one works for you because you can reuse those ones um yeah. but it, also a good idea is to get together and do that for a mom who's gonna have a baby like i i would far rather if i was gonna have a baby i'd far rather instead of you trying to turn up on a meal with a specific day and coordinate it I would way rather get together with you for a full day in advance and just have your help making 10 casseroles to go in the, uh, the freezer. That would be way better for me. And then you're not having to drive out on some random snowy day when I happen to have the baby and I'm not having to like put clothes on and go to the door. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get together and do that. Um, another thing a friend and I are going to start doing is um, I've always wanted to do a cleaning bee where Ooh. I go to your house for three hours and we clean together. And then two weeks later, you come to my house and we clean for three hours. Like we don't have to make stuff. Like we could just scrub the toilets. <laughs> we all need that. <laughs> I find that super intriguing because the two things in life yeah. I'm always doing over and over again is cleaning and cooking. Um, yes. <laughs> and they don't have to be isolating. We're all going to scrub yeah. the toilets. I mean, per hopefully we're all going to scrub the toilets so what if we just got together and did it together and that would be way more fun I also if it gives you a time-bound block right you know where you got to get it done and then you're spending no more time really and, and then you get some friend time together and yeah you get to understand that other people's houses get dirty too even though for some reason we all think nobody else's house gets dirty <laughs> mine. what i like too about this thought is i know where my strengths are mm -hmm. and where they're not and mm. so finding someone who knows how to organize like no other yeah, yeah. um and I can be ruthless in like helping people get rid of stuff like do you really like helping them make those decisions to get rid of but I lack creating a system in order to keep yeah. it clean and organized. That's yeah. where I know I fall short. So to find someone that has the strength where you're weak and vice versa, ooh, yeah. like I just got all kinds of excited. And trade. Maybe they don't actually, they're so good at it. Maybe they don't need your help cleaning, but you're like, why don't you come help me organize for four hours? And then I'm going to come to your house and help you can shred a chicken for four hours. Boom. Everybody's happy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but my friend and I are both like, we, we need to clean. Like, yeah. A, a, amen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could probably just go on for a long time. We've actually went Obviously. over an hour, but there was so That's many That's what the Costco parking lot's for. 
So it is. Yes. So if you see the tailgate with the cooler party at a Costco mm-hmm. parking lot, y'all, we're starting yeah. a new trend. We're, we're going to do the, the farm. We're going to bring the farm trade <laughs> happens in the parking lot and what you can't farm True. trade. Then you go in and, and buy yeah. or not. Sometimes yeah. we just meet in the parking lot and get gas and then leave, yeah. you know, thank, <laughs> goodbye. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> I know they well, provide such okay. They do. Well, this has been awesome, Andrea. Um, I know I will see you again in person shortly, but for those of who are listening and maybe this is their first introduction to you, mm-hmm. you also have a podcast. So share where yeah. people can, can follow along with what you guys are doing. Um, best spot uh-huh. for listeners, listeners to connect. Okay. So you have been on my podcast, actually. So if you guys want to hear more of your favorite host, Melissa Canoris, <laughs> she has a great episode on my podcast. It's a couple back. I don't remember what number it is, but our podcast is Ancestral Kitchen. And Allison is my co-host. She lives in Italy and she's British. So that was always interesting when I'm like, wait, do you people do this over there? Just like, no. <laughs> It's so fun having those different perspectives. Yeah. So we talk about preparing foods, preferably directly from a farm. And so we talk about getting the, like the whole chicken um, and how to work with those sorts of foods, how to ferment and um, actually incorporate it into your lifestyle. So it's very practical ancestral food in your modern kitchen with sometimes modern conveniences, sometimes not. And it's a ton of fun. And Allison is, I think she's a genius, honestly. So she goes deep on the historical side of things and the scientific side of things and um, just blows me away every time with what she turns up in old documents and stuff like that. So it's tons of fun doing that podcast. And it was tons of fun having you on there um, because I love your podcast. So having you on, it was like so crazy <laughs> it was fun i am i am a podcast junkie i have to say of all the digital online world my favorite thing that has come from them has been podcasts like yeah They're because really i might not have fun. someone over to help me clean but i rarely do i ever clean without some type of podcast going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's true yes yeah it so, is true and the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast. Definitely go and check that out. We'll have it in the blog post and the show notes links so that you guys can go and check that out. Some really fun, fun things and episodes. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, and Andrea, I'm always, I'm, I'm not super good about posting online, but I do sometimes post on my Instagram, which is farm and hearth, which is- You post a lot on your stories. You're pretty I do a lot of stories. Yeah. yeah. I like stories because I can just do it in the moment. I don't plan content. <laughs> None of that. I just post as it happens. (laughs) If it's interesting, if it's boring, sometimes it goes up there actually like, look how long I've been standing here doing the dishes. (laughs) Yeah. No, you you post some fun things. In fact, there's been a couple of things when you and Gary were doing, Gary is Andrea's husband. So if you've heard her mention that or me, just just for (laughs) for context there. Um, And you guys put your chickens and do turkeys and all that. And so there's been a couple of your stories that you have posted where you guys were doing your setup. And I would show it to Clay. I'm like, ooh. Like, I like the yeah. way that you're, you're doing this. Like, let's, let's incorporate this. Like I glean things too. Cause we all glean things from each totally. other. Which is we kind must. of the whole we part of doing the working bee and, and all of that. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, so he's really good at cycle. like systems and, and process flow. Um, that's both something we both like, but he's actually butchering right now. He's doing 70 birds today and he has this flow that he's set up. And every time he does it, he gets it even tighter 
And so I, and I love how he has it, um, set up. So I should do pictures again sometime, but yeah. Could you go ahead and do some more stories? Cause I'm going to be butchering again, the end of September. I could use a oh, refresh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like uh, I'm not doing it every day. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it is yeah. amazing how I have to say, even my like you were saying when when you are in the same station as a worker bee, but even anything like the mm -hmm. more time you spend doing it, naturally you're going to find ways yeah. to become more efficient. And so yeah. if I can find them from someone else and then put those on my own and mm -hmm. then build even on top of that, like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's golden. you. And, and Carolyn always says something that I'm like, Oh, light bulb. And I, I remember saying to, to Gary, I said, if Carolyn taught a water bath canning class, like I'd still be there. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I've water bathed a bazillion jars, but she's going to say something that I'm going to go, Oh, duh. What a great idea. You just don't think about it sometimes. And somebody else was in a different space and thought about it differently. And so you get yeah. to use that. But I think like you said earlier, uh, the humble aspect, not only in relationships, but mm -hmm. also in the learning, because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm with you, like, I still constantly learn even on subjects that yeah. I consider myself really darn proficient in. Mm -hmm. But there's always opportunity to get better. And I think as mm -hmm. long as you keep that perspective, it's going to take you so much further. Um, I think there's a big danger in thinking we know it all. And sometimes it's not even conscious. Like you're just like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm not being before. mean. Yeah. Like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. And so that's something I personally try to cultivate. And I had sometimes have to remind myself like, Oh, I know what I'm doing in that. And then I'm like, Oh no, you don't know it all. <laughs> like sit yourself down. Have, have talk with yeah, myself. And then Joel's like, it takes 45 seconds to butcher and clean a chicken. You're like, never mind. I guess I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I think there, there's that humble aspect in dealing with others. And then also making yeah. sure you, you, you keep yourself humble as well on a learning aspect. So anyways, we can, we could just go on for a very long period of time. So you see how valuable these working bees go because you and I need apparently, you know, 12 hours to, to just yeah, keep the conversation exactly. flowing. So anyhow, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. So enjoyed you, it. Melissa. And I will meet you in a parking lot very soon. You bet. <laughs> Bye. Well, I know that episode was a little bit long, but I thought there was so much good stuff in there for us to talk about and, and to ponder and also be a way that we can all make this work in our own lives and homes and friendships that I'm so glad that we spent a little bit extra time kind of going into some of the things longer than most of our episodes, but there's some things that are just so good. You want to keep on going with them, which brings me to the verse of the week. And you may have already guessed what verse we were going to pick, but it is from Titus chapter two and verse three and four. This is the amplified translation of the Bible. Older women similarly are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor addicted to much wine teaching what is right and good so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children, to be sensible, pure, makers of a home where God is honored, good-natured, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So if you are someone who's grown up perhaps uh, in the church or with a biblical background, you may have heard reference before where people will say, where are the tightest two women? And I know even young, young moms have said, I feel like there is a lack of tightest two women in my life. 
and in the church. Now, you might not have experienced that. You may be someone who's been, you know, very fortunate to have Titus to women to mentor you and to teach you and to come alongside you. Uh, but I, I know many of us might not have that experience or or may not feel that way. I feel very fortunate. My mom is someone in my life who has been a Titus II mentor to me in many different ways. But I think this is something that we may be seeing in Western society, um, a loss of, or maybe not as many op options or as many women who are in this role um, as there used to be in, in decades past. And so I think this is something that is very much needed because one, God wouldn't address it in the Bible to us if this wasn't something that was that was needed and that would be beneficial, not only to the older women, um, but also to the young women. And I think it, it goes vice versa. So for older women who are mentoring young women, it is also beneficial to them. I know when I have had the opportunity to mentor someone, even though I may be doing uh, the teaching, I still learn so much from the questions and the things that the person I am mentoring asks me that I feel like I gain just as much, if not more from the relationship as they may. And so I think, as I said, this goes both ways. So wherever you may be, and I know old can be kind of perspective, right? What, what you consider old by what the age that you're at. But I think this is a, a really beautiful thing that I hope that we see cultivated more, not only in the Christian aspect or Christian community, but in the homesteading community as well. And, and for me, those two things coincide. I can't have one without the other. And so this verse, I think, is um, verses. And you can read it all of Titus too, like it, it covers for older men, um, you know, in reference to young and um, in bond service, which would be kind of more, well, you can go into what bond service means with the masters, but I kind of tend to look at some of those more as a, like an employer employee relationship, um, all those kinds of things. So anyhow, Titus two is definitely a chapter worth checking out in whole, but especially the verses three through four there. So I want to thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. And if you do end up doing some of these working bees, or perhaps you already do them, would love to know in the comments beneath this video, if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, or if you're listening to it old fashioned way, you can leave it in a review or shoot me a message. I would love to see how this has worked for you in your life. Um, and just the things, maybe some tips that you might have, or just how you have seen it be of benefit, because I think it's something definitely worth exploring um, even further than we have today. So for now, I leave you with blessings and mason jars.